Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. Today we are joined by a guest who will introduce herself momentarily. Actually, Peter will introduce her, and then she'll talk about herself. Yeah, I met Sarah Messer while we were working in the vaccine clinics, and uh, then all of these other connections started to come through uh, in terms of the, the work she does with her church and, um, and the work she does in the community, in Haywood County in general. And uh, so I'm really excited to interview Sarah today. And Sarah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now. Okay. Um, I am a volunteer firefighter with Clyde Fire Department. Been doing that since I was 16, basically born into it. I taught pre-K in Haywood County and other counties for 12 years. And currently I am a income maintenance caseworker with Haywood County Department of Health and Human Services. What does that mean? I work primarily with Medicaid and family and children. Okay. So they can come, families can come in and apply for Medicaid and I help them go through that process. All right. All right. Where do you go to church? Canton Central United Methodist up on the hill. How do you feel about it? I love it. I've been going there since I was four years old. Okay. Very good. Very good. Cool. It's, uh, it's good to interview someone who is a native to Haywood County. Uh, I am not, but <laughs> I long to be, or I aspire to be native. I don't know how, how one becomes native to Haywood <laughs> County. You can become native. Well, you I'm working be long, on it. for sure. Yes. I, I, I work, I'm working on it. Anyway, um, so today uh, we're going to talk to Sarah a little bit more, and what I love about getting to know Sarah is that she's done a lot of different things. She's connected to a lot of different uh, sort of uh, child and family focused ministries, but also work in the county, um, as well as connections to public health and public safety. So uh, in a way, kind of just you as a person are kind of holding together a lot of different (laughs) things. And we're going to talk about that in our scripture today. Our scripture today comes from uh, the lectionary for this coming Sunday. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And I'm going to ask Court to read this. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. This comes from the New Revised Standard Version. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love, and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. God has given his grace to each one of us, measured out by the gift that is given by Christ. That's why scripture says, when he climbed up to the heights, he captured prisoners and he gave gifts to people. What does this phrase, he climbed up, mean if it does not mean that he had first gone down into the lower regions of the earth? The one who went down is the same one who climbed up above all the heavens so that he might fill everything. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. His purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ 
until we all reach the unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. God's goal is for us to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer, who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching with deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. Instead, by speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows from him as it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. The body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love as each one does their part. Thus ends the reading. Thanks, Court. You're welcome. So there's a lot going on there, and this scripture we've probably heard in a lot of different contexts. I kind of want to focus a little bit differently than maybe preachers would focus on this scripture. Please do. And most so, mo- mostly I want to focus on the second half of this uh, scripture as we talk with Sarah, because it, it focuses in on, um, on what it means to be the church, on what it means to be the body of Christ, um, and it... Paul, who's the author of this letter, we think, it is really trying to, I think, paint a picture that like the church is not made up of everybody who's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And also, there's this focus on, um, on maturity, on helping people to grow up into their role. And uh, Sarah, since you uh, have taken a job that, that matches you with children and families, um, I wonder if we could start there. In terms of um, the, the work that you're doing now, could you share with us a little bit how you, um, how you came to this position and also kind of what your hopes are for what you could achieve through the work that you're doing now? Well, I have been, teach- I have been teaching for 12 years in Head Start. That's the three, fours, and fives. And Is that the one down there in Clyde? The one in Clyde, okay. yes. But I was also in Cherokee before that. So I have always been Head Start connected. And part of Head Start is you're not only educating the children, you're helping the whole family. And so starting in about March and April of this year, there was just something in my gut that kept telling me, you've reached your time, you are done. And I tried ignoring it because I loved teaching. I still love teaching. And I kept it, 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 I just kept pushing it aside. And we were actually at a vaccine clinic and it was in one of our, what we would call lulls. And I was sitting there with Nathan Murray and I think you were there and there were several others and Zondra Kirkendall and we were talking and I said, something is telling me I'm not where I need to be. Mm. And I said, I can't. I can't shake it and I said I don't know what to do and I remember Nathan saying just pray about it mm-hmm. pray about it and see what God tells you and about two weeks later I, I usually never checked the county job board as I, online and I was sitting there one evening and I was like well I'm just going to go see what the county has to offer because my mom was a county employee and loved it and so I was like well let's just see what the county has and I was scrolling through, and I remember seeing family and children. Mm. That's all I saw. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to do DSS. I just, something is, it's just not my personality. Well, 
government employees. Government, yeah. What is a DSS personality? Exactly? Like, yeah. I, I just, I didn't feel like I wanted to do that. Like, it just wasn't like, but I didn't read the whole, my, my usual, my brain didn't read the whole so thing. The title yeah. Gotcha. So I, I do that when I scroll news. I just read the title <laughs> and I just move on. Like, I know the news now. In the famous Facebook, you just keep scrolling. See, you, you guys, Methodists, I'm pointing at Peter. Uh, what's, <laughs> I'm with two Methodists, but Peter specifically, who is a Methodist who is employed by the Methodists, they don't have to do what us Baptists have to do, where you got to get like these trade publications like the Biblical Recorder and things like that and look at the classifieds to find out what churches are hiring. Oh, I didn't know oh. where you're going with okay. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm with you. So I will scan job titles like senior pastor, uh, they have like 40 members pass, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, in May, which is when the Head Start calendar, like the students leave, but the teachers still have a couple, I just kept looking at this. I kept going back to that one thing. Job posting. The job posting. Yeah. And my husband's like, just read it. Mm. So I started reading into it, and it said, income maintenance caseworker for Medicaid. And I went, oh, okay. So I was like, well, I didn't tell anybody. Like, I just applied right there on the mm -hmm. spot. Did not tell a soul. I was like, because I don't want to apply, and everybody know, and they'd be like, huh, you didn't get it, or, you know, I just... What kind of people do you hang out with that are going to add insult <laughs> to injury? Well, no, I mean, you got a point there. Uh -huh, you didn't because, get the job you wanted. Because when you're job searching, you know, I've, you know, we've all been through the job search process. Apparently, Court has been through it yes. uh, more than, than I have as far as our current career goes, yeah. but um, it can take, like... 10, 20 applications, yes. and if you tell everybody about every single one, and then you have to go back and tell them, hey, I didn't get it, like, that becomes the narrative. So I, I get it. Just, it, like, it, keep it, it on the down on. low yeah. until you have something exciting to share. Uh, more yeah. inside information about preachers looking for jobs. On average, when you don't have a district assigning roles or whatever it is that y'all do, which I am fascinated by, but... Once you decide, okay, I'm looking for another church, it usually takes about a year and a half to find one. Mm, yeah. Wow. And so that's actually not bad. It's a long <laughs> process. I was talking to a guy yesterday who told me that when he decided to quit smoking, I know this sounds not related at exactly, all. Exactly, yeah. But he, he continued to carry a pack of cigarettes and a lighter in his pocket because he didn't want the people around him to think that he had stopped smoking <laughs> because if it didn't work out, he didn't want to confess that he he had been trying to quit. That makes total sense. Yes. Actually. So anyway, sim similar thing. Keep yes. Continue. <laughs> so I applied on a Thursday, and Monday morning, the who is now my the lady who is now my boss called, and she's like, "I want to interview you in a week. What day works for you?" I went, "Well, I'm actually off next Tuesday," and she's like, "That'll work." Wow. So I interviewed on Tuesday, and she sent a message to me on Wednesday to run my background check and all the lovely employment jazz. And mm -hmm. Monday morning she called and offered me the job. Wow. And it's like it just fell perfectly into place. Like it couldn't have gone more textbook. When you, when you started working the job, did you think, wow, this really was perfect for me? Or were you like, hmm, maybe I thought it was perfect for me. But the first week when they hand you the Medicaid policy manual yeah. and you're sitting there going, what is if this I language? This, my toe. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what is this language? Um, 
I'm lost. And now that I've been there and I'm actually into what they call the system, I'm loving it. it it's so much enjoyment. So I think when you were saying about scrolling through that, uh, the available positions and everything, and you saw that one for DSS and you were like, eh, I actually think that that's probably a common sentiment in the county. Like not everybody wants to work for DSS, but mm -hmm. like maybe even has a sense of like, ugh, government, bureaucracy, whether they have to, uh, no matter how they have to interact with yeah. that kind of stuff. So, so tell me kind of like, from from your from your own perspective your faith perspective and your own personal motivation you you mentioned like loving to be a teacher and everything yes. i mean what got you over the hump of well i don't know about this particular employee but i feel like this work is something that i could be called to like what got you to that point well like i had said you know i had just reached that wall of i'm just not reaching the people I want to reach. Yeah. And so I felt if I had went to, if I had moved to this position, I can reach a population that is not in the Head Start program. Mm. You know, these families that need health insurance and if I discover they need something else, then I can point them in the right direction. Yeah. And like another thing that I was always thinking about is with my mother, where she works with the backpack program for the Canton Missional Network. Yeah, say more about that before you keep going. The Canton Missional? No, the uh, the backpack program. Oh, the backpack program. Um, so when my mom retired from the county, which I'm not gonna go into how long ago that was, she would not be happy with me on that. <laughs> um, she felt a void herself as mm -hmm. to what can I do? I I've worked for 40 years, I don't know what to do now. And I cannot remember what got it going I don't really know but she's like well I'll go help with the backpack program I'll go pack backpacks this week mm -hmm. and that's when they were just doing Canton Middle and so she went and packed she's like hmm I love my mom and she's a very organized woman great yeah she walked in that closet uh, the what the closet it's huge and goes this is not organized I need to organize this and just love people like that. <laughs> I'm not one, but I love yeah. people like that. And, and from there, she has just continued, and she now keeps the closet organized for everybody. And she and I were talking, and I said, well, I understand we're doing North Canton. The Episcopal Church does Pisgah and Meadowbrook, or, or not North Canton, Canton Middle, sorry. And the Episcopal Church does Pisgah and Meadowbrook. I said, Mom, what about the elementary kids hmm. in our district? What about North Canton Elementary? And so she's like, huh. So she took it upon herself, got with the committee, and she now packs what my daughter calls snack packs mm -hmm. for the weekend for kids. All right. And so she- And North Canton is a, is a school where everybody gets free and reduced lunch. Yes, is that right? correct. Yeah. And so she, she's done that. And she actually started taking my daughter when she turned three, and I didn't really have she was only going to preschool, you know, three days a week. She would take my daughter on Mondays and pack the snack packs with her. And now that's, Lainey loves doing it. She's there as much as she can be. That's awesome. Yeah. So going along with what you've been saying, Sarah, and sharing with us, um, it seems to me, obviously, uh, your family, specifically your, your mom, has some experience working with the county, but also 
is involved in church life and involved outside of the, the, the walls of the county government and outside of the walls of the church even in trying to provide for families and children. And it seems to me, you know, this, this passage, oftentimes the, the focus that preachers take on it is this section in verse 11 where it says, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. And I think folks who are reading the scripture oftentimes overestimate the importance of those roles. I like to see them as examples. Like, what, is, what I see Paul saying is, uh, God gives the community the people that with the skills that are necessary in order to do the work that the community has to do and so in our current day and age in Haywood County I think caseworkers or income what is it income maintenance caseworkers <laughs> income maintenance caseworkers might be one of those roles that God has given to Haywood County now of course Separation of church and state. state. Like, that wasn't in your job description. <laughs> this is a God-given role. But in the same way, like I feel like the work that you're doing and the work that you have, the, have access to do complements the work that the church should be doing so well. Do you feel similarly? I do because, I mean, we just had a community vacation Bible school. We have the Canton Missional Network where the church is not just the Methodists. We have Baptists that come help us. We're a part of it, you don't have to tell me I that. know. And the Methodists come have to ba- help the Baptists. Too. Yes. And so we, I feel like, you know, churches need to do that. They need to reach out and be in the community because year, I don't even know how many years we have done it now, but our former pastor, Paul Brown, mm. he did Operation Down the Hill where we went out into the community and ministered to those in need. Yeah. Thanks to COVID, we didn't get to do it year before last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was in the fall, right? May. Oh, May. Spring. Yeah, spring. It's usually the last Sunday in May because it's usually the fifth Sunday in May. Okay. So that brings me to this uh, last verse in our scripture for today where it says, The whole body grows from him and is joined together and held together by all the supporting ligaments. Um, And personally, that's an important scripture to me because when we talk about the body of Christ, oftentimes the focus is on who's the hands and the feet, who's the eyes and the ears, mouthpiece. who's the mouthpiece, etc. But I've actually always felt like maybe my place in the body of Christ is as a ligament, <laughs> which doesn't get a lot of attention, but the importance of the ligaments is holding together parts of the body, I'm speaking physiologically, like. <laughs> uh, that want to pull apart from each other, that without ligaments would pull apart from each other. And I think that sometimes you know the work that's going on in DSS is something that folks in the pews on Sunday may not always understand Um, but it's important work and the connecting work that you do as a person just in who you are Sarah I think is actually part of the body of Christ and um, and so I don't want to underestimate that role of ligament but also your role as teacher too so uh, do you see that kind of connecting work happening in other places in DSS, for example, or in your previous lines of work? Do you see folks connecting their faith with the work that they're doing that maybe not church-related at all? Have you seen that? Well, like the vaccine clinics. That's my biggest time where I saw it because, you know, in 
February, we were going strong. We had a lot of volunteers. And then toward mid to late February, it kind of just started to dwindle. And so we reached out into the, you know, the church community. Hey, if y'all have got some volunteers that would love to come help, we'd be more than welcome to have them. And it's just, it was neat seeing the Methodists and the Baptists. And then I think we had some elders come. And I mean, it was just different religions working together for a common goal. It was really neat to see. And Court, you just wrapped up doing a vaccine clinic here at the church. I think you had one the next day, didn't you? Yeah, we had like the same week. So tell us about that and, and like your motivation for doing that work, which some people might say, hey, this isn't church work. How did that connect for you? Well, the connection was that we were doing church work. We have two parking lots. And in one of them, we were doing the work that we had been doing really before the pandemic began, but ramped up during the pandemic, which is to give food. And they asked, they being the, the folk who do the vaccine clinics, um, had, they had heard about it. We had told them before the vaccines were even available that if they needed to use our facility as a vaccination point to get let us know and so they knew that we had offered and then they knew that we were going to have an event that hopefully would draw people and did and so they said hey can we set up a vaccine clinic and then they said then they called back after we said yes and said hey no one wants their vaccines maybe not and then cdc called them and said you're not going to waste an opportunity get to it and Hmm. so they said okay yeah we'll come because we were trying to help them sign people up, and they can got like two. Yeah. But um, because of the fact that we were giving away free food, that drew a lot of people in. They come through, and we were able to tell them while they're in their cars getting their contact-free food given to them, hey, if you haven't had your vaccine, you still don't have to get out of your car. Just drive up one more parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so it went from 2 to 10, 11, 12, something like that. I don't remember the actual number. But it wasn't, it wasn't huge. <laughs> but it was more than it could have been. And so the connection was exactly what you said. The connection, even though it's not doing the work of the church, it's doing the work of the state. Um, and I'm a Baptist. And we don't believe in partnering church and state. But I don't mind partnering my parking lot with them. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and that's a good distinction. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, you know, we were able to say, hey, you're doing this thing with us. Just drive up there and do this other thing with them. Yeah. And I think I think it was effective. I mean, do I wish there were more that had gone through it? Sure. But honestly, most of the people that came through had been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what are you going to do? Get another shot just because you can? That's silliness. Uh, that second one dang near killed me. Um <laughs> I had a hard time with it too, but I'm glad I'm, I'm I had. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but man, uh, I, I wouldn't want to imagine a third. Well. Anyway, <laughs> they haven't said anything about that yet. Yeah, that's so. that's coming down, son. Just <laughs> wait. <laughs> just wait. Can, how do we know? Um, <laughs> We're about I'm, to I'm go not, way off topic. No, this is not going to be one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we know? Um, if you get a third, would it be more effective than a second? And 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 how how effective do we need it to be once you're at like ninety five or whatever the second one is? I don't know. These, these things. That's what scientists are for. Thank right. God for the Olympics because I used to just sit around 
like at night thinking these things. And now I just turn on like water polo or whatever, and I'm good. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, the, the whatever the scientist's doing, that's like way down on the, the ankle or the arm away from whatever ligament I'm attached to. Okay. Um, to take that metaphor a little further. I am the hangnail of the body of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting, waiting to be clipped off. I'm, I'm important, but good luck forgetting me. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, so I wonder, Court, maybe you didn't, maybe you did. did. Was there anyone who was kind of confused in your church about, like, hey, why are we doing this? No, they all got on board. In fact, they were really excited about the fact, you know, we've, we've done food and, and done food and done mm-hmm. food and done food and done food. And we've kind of become the church that, not the church, but a church that's known, known for, it. for yeah. being a church that will reach yeah. out to people who need to be fed. Yeah. And so they're, they've got that. They, that's old hat. I'm not saying that we're great at it and can't learn, but I will say that they're not surprised that we're doing that. The vaccine was new, and so I didn't expect any pushback. I did expect questions. Mm-hmm. And instead, for the most part, all I got is, I'm so glad you're doing that. Hmm. I'm like, you? You mean we? Oh, yeah, I'm so glad we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, no, and that brings me back to thinking about this uh, this emphasis that Paul has on the body of Christ. And w- when we read this, oftentimes uh, separated from the work that's going on in the community, I think folks, Christians, have a tendency to just read it as a metaphor. Um, and it is metaphorical, but I also see in here an emphasis on concern for the body and for its members, and for the physical bodies and the physical health of the people in the community. I think that has to be part of the focus as well. If the body of Christ isn't working in the community, then it's a dead body. Mm-hmm. And isn't the whole point to Christ that Christ didn't stay dead? Yeah. I mean, so Christ is alive. We, as members of the church, are part of the living body, and we continue, or are, I think, personally, my conviction is that our responsibility as Christians is to continue the work of Christ in the world. It, what yes. work did he do? Healing, eating with people, um, giving people dignity. And to me, that's kind of a lot of the work that you're doing, um, in Sarah, in, in what you're doing with DSS and also Court, what you're doing with feeding people. Yeah. So I want, speaking of feeding people, I want to kind of harp on this body of Christ doing stuff one more time. And this has nothing to do with what we read today. Harp on it. Go ahead. Except that it's from the whole body of Christ thing. But if you think about Easter and the events that followed Easter, when Jesus comes back, he meets with the disciples. Thomas doubts that they all did, actually, to be fair to our boy Thomas. Um, Yeah. Our boy Thomas. Always getting a bad rap from John. I don't know. And then Thomas shoves his hands in there. Why? To show that it's a physical body. Yeah. Show us the reader it's a physical body. Yeah. Uh, he Jesus shows his hands. Yeah. I mean, but ew. And then what did they do? Ew. That's true, too. Like, they got over the grossness, and then what did they do? They ate together? They ate. Together. Did he they wash his ate. hands first? I don't care, but what I do care about, <laughs> what I do care about is this. So uh, the body of Christ is, is holy, though. It is so exceptionally like, important to the, to the gospel writers and the writer of Luke Acts as well, that we show that it's a body even after the Christ is risen. Yeah. It's a body that needs food. It's not a ghost. Mm. It's a physical body. 
it is Jesus who is alive with human needs in that body. And so to say we're the body of Christ the way most people do mm. by just saying, yeah, that makes me a Christian. Yeah. We're the body of Christ. That makes us the church. Like, as some sort of stat- status symbol, completely misses the point that the resurrection was trying to make. Or at least that those who told us about it yeah. was trying to make. And that is that Christ is alive and has needs. Mm. Which was kind of a fight against Gnosticism, but we're not going to worry about that. What we're going to worry about is the fact that as the body of Christ, we have needs and we're here to meet needs. Mm. Yes. That's what Christ did. Yeah. And so, you know, if we if we just call ourselves the body of Christ so that we can, I don't know, win an argument or whatever the heck you would do with that, uh, and, and aren't acting, then we're not the body of Christ. Or is a dead body. Hmm. So, I think Christians who go to church on Sunday can kind of like be on their high horse sometimes about being the body of Christ. Let's remember that Paul also says that baptism is how we enter the body of Christ. How many folks do you serve, Sarah, who maybe don't go to church, who have been baptized, who are part of the body of Christ? Probably a larger number than I can imagine. And so... It's not that as a Christian who goes to church on Sunday, you're doing this great thing to care for those other lesser people who don't know Christ. You're, you're literally caring for part of the body of Christ. They are a part, you know, they're a human being. And if they go to church, they do. And if they don't, they don't. I love them still the same. Right. right. Here's the thing about that. We used to, we clergy persons, used to would harp on people who come to church on Sunday and don't live like it Monday through Saturday. The Sunday Christians. Yes. And it, so it, it's been a thing long enough that it's got a title. Now we just really wish they'd come back to church on Sundays. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. sort of like the a bartering changes. going on. It's like, oh, look, we didn't mean all that. No, like, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Love me again. We didn't, we didn't mean to judge you. <laughs> And some are not coming right now due to medical reasons, and I can... And some are never coming back. We're we're used to that now. Yeah. But I think it it shows, to a greater extent, that the church is now up front and honest about the fact that the real church is outside of the walls of the church building. Mm -hmm. Let's remember that the church that Paul's writing to in Ephesus didn't have a church building. They were meeting in people's homes. Mm-hmm. And for the first 100, 200 years of Christianity, this was a, com- this was a community group without a building. So when, when he talks about church, he's got no concept of what we're talking about when we say church and we think of a building with four walls. That does not come until after 313. Well, thank you. The Edict <laughs> of Milan. Right, I guess because uh, not, as long as Christianity was illegal, having a building wouldn't make a lot of sense. Correct. Yeah. Because it would say, hey, uh, come, come get us. Like, like we can have, we can, we're sitting in the basement of First Baptist Church with this, you know, giant sanctuary with a massive steeple. Mm-hmm. You go over the hill, there's Central. Mm-hmm. There, big giant steeple. Here we are. Look at us. Right. And we're, we're we have a religion that started underground mm. and still does the most effective work when it is underground. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, 
So those ligaments extend far beyond the walls of our churches, whether we admit it, admit to it or not. Yeah. Um, and our concern needs to be not just for parts of the body of Christ, um, but for all of our neighbors. And so whether we're function, or whether we're working as as the body of Christ to serve those in our community. And remember, Christ in His ministry. Yeah. Uh, he didn't ask people to make a statement of faith before he helped them out, right? He helped everyone. If people had needs, they, they came to him. If people needed food, he fed them. If people needed healing, he provided that healing. Um, and so I see, you know, it, uh, Sarah, I, I guess I would want to know, like, as far as the Medicaid specifically, um, to me it seems like the work that you're doing in terms of getting people um, connected with the resources that they need to be healthy, families especially, um, is absolutely in line with what Christ would be doing in the world if he were here today. And I guess what we're saying is that he's, he is here today. Yes. Uh, and I mean, Medicaid's not the only hat I hold. I also am, a, along with the fire department, I don't ask them if they're a Christian before I take care of them. Mm-hmm. They call 911, you know, and we go and we make, I don't want to say make them feel better, but, you know, we treat them. Yeah. But we don't say, hey. Respond to their needs. Which religion are you? That you, you don't go to a patient and do that. You're just like, oh. Zoroastrianism. Your, your arm's falling off. Let's let's fix that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, well, yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, Christ was concerned for the physical well-being of the people around him. And we should be too, regardless of whatever they believe or, or don't believe. So uh, there's a concept in miss, missiology, the study of missions, which is uh, what my concentration was for my master's degree. But anyway, um, it's called Rice Christians. Are you aware of what that is? I have this never is where you heard feed that. people yeah. and then they convert so they can eat. Hmm. It seems like that's kind of the thing you were hinting towards that you don't do. Yeah. Um, but there is that temptation. I want to help people who are like me. Mm, yeah. I know that God loves me, and therefore God loves people who are like me. Mm-hmm. But I think the temptation, temptation is not so much I won't help you unless you get on my level. I think the temptation is to make the goal converting someone from being adrift, or as Paul would say, in infancy, mm-hmm. in what we read here, to being more acceptable, which is being more like me, which is not my statement. This is a hypothetical. <laughs> I don't want the world to be like me. That would be a, a crap world. Yeah. That'd be scary. <laughs> so Sarah, as somebody who you know has this professional job, but is also a faithful member of a church, who goes to a physical building, I mean, what what do you what would you hope to see Canton Central or the Methodist Church or just the church in general be doing more of here in Haywood County? What 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 do you feel like? We're, call, we're being called to. I mean, for Canton Central, that's mostly the church I can speak on. I mean, we want to reach the community, not just around us, but like in Haywood County. Yeah. You know, we do Operation Down the Hill. We do the backpacks. We are, hey, the church is not our building. That's why it's, you know, we go up the hill to get, get equipped and we come down the hill to show the love of God. That's what Paul was talking about. Uh, in the in the verses Peter was reading, eleven and twelve, hmm. 
it's that we God equips people to teach and to preach and do this and that so that the church as a whole is equipped to go minister to the world. Mm-hmm. And far too often we say, well, we have a minister and they'll do that. Mm-hmm. Or, or I wish I was called to preach or to teach and then I would be able to minister to people. Well, no, that's for you so that you can go out and minister Mr. in whatever your gifts are. Or we're ready to teach Sunday school as long as the kids come here. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're ready to work with kids as long as they come through our door on Sunday morning. But we we have in the past, and I think that our church has evolved in this. Mm. So I think we've made a long way actually. But in the past, there have been people who say, you know, "You're wasting your time. They're not going to come here." And mm. I'd say, "Well, I don't care." Is that the goal? Yeah. Should that be the goal? Children are the future of the church. Mm. the The question is, are all children worth the church's efforts, or yes. are only the children? Let me get the question out first, Sarah. <laughs> are only I know the children, where you're going. Are only the children who we think will end up getting, going back to their parents and saying, hey, come to church with me at this new church, worth our efforts? And if that's, if that's the goal, then you're, you have a very skewed sense of what God has called you to do, mm. in my opinion. I feel all children deserve to be touched and I, I, shown I love. Think and you should. I like where you're going, but I would modify it from children to say people. People, yes. Well, I meant children as in children of God. Oh. There you go. Oh. Like what you did there. And I think what both of you are saying convinces me that, like, we might not know what the church for tomorrow looks like. We don't. And, that's if we, and if we focus just on the folks that come to this or that building on Sunday, we might be missing the future church. Because God is in charge, I believe. God is in charge of deciding what the church looks like tomorrow, not us, but maybe is using us in the work that we do outside the walls of our buildings to construct that church, to welcome people in, to give us a broader sense of what it means to be the body of Christ. With that, the, if you stand back and look at a task like that, if you imagine what does the church look like without walls, well, there's a whole lot of world out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is safe when we can look at the church as we know it and have known it for 150 years and limit our scope of the possible to that. Mm-hmm. We understand that. Mm-hmm. We can contain that. We can get our minds around that. You look at the world with all its problems, it's intimidating, and it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around the church being whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But why do we limit ourselves? And in doing so, why do we limit God? Right. Yeah. Or put limits on God. Sarah, you mentioned the Camp Missional Network, and I was voluntold last year <laughs> to, <laughs> to be the facilitator of that group. Thank uh, you for doing that. <laughs> yeah. There will be uh, an opportunity to nominate someone to co-facilitate in the coming at the coming meeting, which is on Monday, uh, August 9th. So for our listeners, if you uh, – want to find out what it means to be part of like the larger church in Canton area, Haywood County, I really do encourage you to, to be present and to work with the Canton Missional Network. This is my own plug. <laughs> uh, on August 9th, that's a Monday at 7 p.m., we meet at the community kitchen. The reason I bring that up is because when I start our meetings off at the Canton Missional Network, 
one thing I try to remind people of is that I believe that that God's mission is to bring the kingdom here, even to Haywood County. I mean, obviously to the whole, to the world as a whole. But I believe that's a mission that Jesus started the work of mm-hmm. through His yeah. healing ministry, through His feeding ministries, and and so the if the ultimate goal is that God's kingdom would be revealed here in Haywood County, then we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we do. And um, you know we see in Christ's ministry forming disciples and calling people to different roles that God's interest is in participating with us in creating that kingdom or bringing that kingdom here. God could do it by God's self maybe. I mean we could argue that but if we look at the real example of Jesus life he was always bringing people in to help the disciples. So that discipleship formation is just one step along the way towards bringing the kingdom here. And what the kingdom looks like, I believe, is a place where everyone is fed, where everyone is cared for, has the health care that they need, so that if they feel sick, they have a place to go. Um, where everyone is seen, where everyone is heard, feels like they belong. To me, that's heaven. And uh, so in order to get there as a community, we need God's help. And I'm not arguing against that, but God is asking us, I think, to participate that in, in that work and is doing so in ways that involve not just preachers, but folks who are out in the community, like you, Sarah, who are doing work that I believe uh, is uh, perfectly consistent with the work that the church is supposed to be doing. Because I'm giving, you know, I'm giving people that normally would not have the ability to go get medical care and stuff I'm giving them a voice with dignity because mm-hmm. I'm not going you don't have health insurance bless your heart bless your heart I'm saying okay let me help you mm-hmm. let me be your God through this process right yeah our world's not perfect but if we imagine a world in which people are cared for and loved how we get there today in practical terms might involve something like Medicaid Mm-hmm. At least for today, that's improving somebody's life. It is. And a family's life. And, you know, and if they're coming in the door to apply for Medicaid, and they're maybe a little what we call food intolerant, or not food intolerant, like they don't, no, they're not, they don't have food. Food desert. Thank you. Yeah, I food insecure. I think. Food insecurity. My brain, my train went way out. <laughs> so, you know, if they come in and they're food insecure, needing food, then I've got the knowledge of, hey, I don't know how often you're doing them currently because I've not kept up with that. My mom, yeah, my mom's normally the one that can spit that out. And I can say, hey, go to Canton First Baptist. They, they offer free food or the community kitchen has, you know, nightly meals. I can, I as a church member know that and I can help, you know, the community. I don't just, I'm not a one-stop shop for Medicaid. If they need other stuff, Mm-hmm. I've got the knowledge and the skills that I can kind of feather them the way they need to go. It, it works both ways, too, because a lot of times we'll have people come to us for needs that we can't meet. Yeah. And we send them to y'all. So. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that perfectly uh, exemplifies what I was trying to say about ligaments. We can, you know, there's a, there's a calling to be a ligament in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's someone who can connect resources for people so that, 
so that we achieve the goal, which is to care for people, which is to help people heal, to help people be fed, seen, belong, welcome. Um, so, so yeah, so I just want to thank you, Sarah, for being on the show. Well, thank and, you for having me. And for the work that you are doing in the community, which I believe is inspired <laughs> and, um, and is, is definitely, um, I, I hope that it will continue to feel like a, a, a step in the right direction for you in terms of your calling. So. I hope it does too because I I have been raised to have a caller's heart mm. or not a caller like a giver's heart yeah being able to give back to the community selfless yeah well first of all I want to apologize to the wonderful listeners and to Sarah I've had to be in and out throughout the entire recording here and so um, yeah some things just have to be done in this case HVAC anyway <laughs> um, but I do thank you for coming on the show and what I was able to hear, which was most of it. Um, I'm thank very you for thankful having me. for you contributing. And so for Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantin. And I'm Sarah. And it was great to have you, Sarah. Peace. Peace. <laughs>